0: Hello, folks, and welcome back to a new episode of Unseen, the podcast where we chat about some of the brilliant projects happening at Queen's Hall Arts Centre, the creative heart of the community. Each episode, we go behind the scenes and lift the curtain on the graft and inspiration that it takes to turn amazing ideas into amazing projects. And as well as bringing you brilliant interviews and stories, We are also going to do a bit of a Queen's Hall newsletter to keep you updated on some of the brilliant things that are going on here that you can enjoy. And for those of you that have not listened before, I'm Bridie and I'm here with Kelly France, marketing lead for Queen's Hall. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Lovely to see you. You too. And the listeners, uh, because podcasts are not visual, they won't know this, but today my nails are the same color as your headphones which was incidental but it's really pleased me a lot (laughs) I
1: mean you say that but you do see these headphones every time so I think planned
0: (laughs) oh maybe maybe I subconsciously planned it yeah I was unaware of it but I just yeah maybe
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's a very Queen's Hall blue as well so it is on brand you are bang on trend
0: yes you are absolutely (laughs) brilliant So, um, as always, shall we start with a bit of, um, some of your top picks for the month of June, Kelly? What's, yeah, what's going it's... on that you're excited about?
1: Um, so obviously I'm excited about Hex and Pride, but we're going to hear about yes. that a little bit later on. Um, but alongside that, we've also got some really great live comedy and music performances coming that are definitely worth a mention. Um, so comedy wise, we've got Tom Horton on Thursday the fifteenth of June. So Tom is often described as privileged, maybe, maybe even ultra privileged. Um, he's known for his, he's loved for his ability to make the unrelatable relatable. Um, but he lives in the Tower of London oh. and is the son of the Lord Horton of Richmond. Um, so. Yes. Um, But his career started with a really unexpected sold out solo show at Edinburgh Festival, um, which made real waves. And since then, his social media content is going viral and he's just massive. Um, So, yeah, we we can't wait to see what kind of material he's going to bring to our stage.
0: That sounds really, really interesting. And also the last time you talked about comedy you were saying that you were really chuffed that you feel like Queen's Hall is developing almost a bit of a comedy club vibe, that there's a lot of the same people coming back, shows selling out quite fast, and it feels like a bit of a community. Yeah, we've just announced um,
1: for the next month, for July, a series of Edinburgh preview performances. fabulous. So like a day-long preview um, festival, and that's, yeah, that's selling really well as well. So we're just, we're kind of really picking up the pace now with the comedy programme. And yeah, Tom is one not to be missed. Brilliant. A very good top pick. Um, And then on the music front, I had to pick two top picks because I couldn't choose. Mm. Um, So first up, we've recently announced a date with the Scottish folk powerhouse, Barbara Dixon. So Barbara will be performing a more stripped back and kind of intimate show um, with her pianist Nick Holland than is perhaps expected from her, I think she promises to reframe all of those big songs i'm sure everyone's heard of so things like caravan and that number one single single, single i know him so well oh, um classic. yeah um and she's here on the 21st of june and there's already a lot of excitement around that one it's selling really well um and i think there's just a bit of an appetite to see how that kind of intimate gig's gonna play out with Barbara because she's such, she is like a really powerful singer. So I think Stripped Back yeah. and just the voice and the lyrics will be really interesting. Um, and then next, we've got our, in June, we've got our next um performance in our series of Sunday Jazz at Queen's Hall. Nice. Which that series of events is just really about inviting people to enjoy great jazz on a Sunday afternoon in the lovely setting of Hexham Library. Um, and the first event last week went really well with the Dean Stockhill Quartet. Um, it was really well received. It was almost a sellout for the first show. Um, and yeah, we just can't wait to keep things going. Um, so we've got Zoe Gilby Quartet on the Sunday, the 18th of June. And there's more information on the whole programme on the website. And we're going to keep on adding new events to it. So just keep an eye on the website for that one, if you're a jazz lover.
0: And that's it. So the other thing that's happening in June is the very first Hexham Pride, which is really, really exciting. And we have an interview with Richard Bliss, who is the organiser of Hexham Pride, who's going to be telling us a little bit more about it. So let's listen to that now. So I have the absolute treat of being here today with Richard Bliss, who is the organiser of the very first Hexham Pride. Hi, Richard.
2: Hello there, Bridie. How are you?
0: I'm really good. It's so lovely to be um not quite in a room because this is online. It's quite it's so lovely to be in a digital space with you talking about pride. Um and for those of for those of our listeners that perhaps haven't heard of you and your work before, would you be able to give us a little bit of a, a little bit of an intro to kind of who you are and what you do both in and um, outside of pride?
2: Yeah, well, I guess inside of pride I've been involved in doing pride things for a very long time i was one of the people who started pride on time which was way back in about 1990 um and then i've worked on queer up north and i've worked on the arts festival side of london pride so i've kind of been around the country mostly staying in the northeast but um Yes, I've done Pride in Newcastle, I've done Pride Manchester, I've done Pride London, um, and now doing Pride Hexham and... I don't normally do this kind of producer, organiser, director kind of role. Normally I work as a textile artist and I am I explore masculinity through making shirts. And I also try and put working class people back into our museums and cultural institutions by making their clothes and their artefacts and then making these little installations that celebrate their lives so that they are put back into the buildings that they've helped to make and maintain
0: it would be really fantastic to hear about the plans for hex and pride but how about we go just a little bit how, we, how about we go a little bit back and actually talk about for, for perhaps those that aren't that familiar with with this what like the history of pride and, and kind of what it's all about for, for those people that perhaps don't know that much about it
2: um pride really starts in the 1970s so um 1972 was the first pride march in the UK um and uh there's there were various things happening from the 1950s onwards really there was enormous amounts of prejudice for many many years and lots of statute that had been put in place right back to the kind of 1400s but i'm not going to go all the way back there to explain about how we get to pride but by the kind of the the 60s with a great period of liberation around so many things so we were beginning to think about what we now think of as the um as Uh, kind of equality politics were beginning to be discussed in the 60s. So we had the beginnings of uh, uh, race equality being talked about in terms of uh, a a statutory framework for that. And certainly we were talking about gender equality in the 60s, and we'd already begun to develop a statutory framework for that. So by the mid sort of 90s, well, late 1950s, early 1960s, there was increasing pressure to sort of look at how, particularly gay men, experienced discrimination. Um, And by the 70s, there'd been the Wolfenden Report, so there was decriminalisation of homosexuality or homosexual acts in 1967. And by 1972, there were various groups. The the biggest group in terms of public action was the Gay Liberation Front. And they organised a march in London calling for greater equality, which was tended by a whole variety a whole variety of people um but it was principally led by lesbians and gay men so this is back in 72 in our region we had our first kind of public events like a festival in the mid 1970s which were organized by the campaign for homosexual equality and um some of the – and they were nearly all men that were doing it. There was one woman who was very involved, but they were nearly all men who were doing it. And some of those men are still around in our region or connected to our region in some way. Um, obviously, they're getting quite elderly now. But they they decided that they would have they – first of all, they organized a campaign for homosexual equality group in Newcastle. And then other groups started. In fact, the first one was in Durham, but another one started in Newcastle, which represented Tyneside. And then various other groups set up around the region. And Newcastle became a real focus for activity. And they did things like they did book displays in bookshops and they held little kind of what we would think of as now as sort of like village fairs, really. Um, so uh mid 70s i think seven as i say 1976 there was the first kind of arts um festival if you like where there wasn't quite the courage to hold events but there was there were these activities that were happening in um in and around newcastle and then gradually over the years there's been uh different sort of attempts to start um, Pride activities. So the first really big ones happened in the 1990s with Pride on Time. Um, and that was organised in, first of all, in Exhibition Park and then moved to become a big event at what was Newcastle Polytechnic, became Northumbria University. And then Pride on Time was taken over by Northern Pride in uh, Newcastle and now they run the big kind of music what a lot of people think of as a big traditional pride in Newcastle but there are lots of smaller pride events that have happened um, you know a lot of them are kind of one day events but there's also quite a big movement to have more like a festival feel around pride and that's the model that we've gone for in Hexham So, rather than spending a lot of money and time on a one-day event in the park, which there's no, you know, nobody's against doing that, but it is incredibly time-consuming and incredibly expensive, and doesn't necessarily meet everybody's needs. And whilst it's not possible for everybody to get to Newcastle, I appreciate that there is a huge Pride event just down the A69 in Newcastle in July. Um, and we talked to Northumberland Pride about what they'd been doing and why, they, you know, the, the issues that they'd come across when they were organising big prides in Northumberland. And they've actually gone away from the idea of having a single day event. They're, they're not doing that anymore because of some of the difficulties that there are in Northumberland about transport and about drawing in large numbers of people to any particular locale within the county. And they very much supported our idea that a, a series of events would be quite appealing because there was nothing else like that in our kind of west part of Northumberland. And obviously, people who live in and around the Time Valley, the transport system all feeds into Hexham. So it becomes a very good central location for people in the whole of that part of the county to come into for a series of events um so that's a bit of the history that leads you up to how we came to do a pride festival in hexham with a series of events rather than this one day event um in something like the town park
0: yeah I, it's really interesting that you i'm really pleased you touched on that um because i actually interviewed. Darren from Hexham Pride, from Northumberland Pride last year for this podcast. And he talks really eloquently about the difference between running a rural Pride event and a Pride event based in a city or a town. And he referenced things like infrastructure and that things like, yeah, just literally, it has to be different for a variety of reasons. And yeah, it's it's kind of, it's really interesting that you've kind of touched on that as
2: well. It, it is a really different way of working. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think everybody's – nobody's against doing the big events, but when when money's tight, you want to try and provide something that doesn't happen anywhere else, and that um, – particularly in Hexham, where there's not a lot of LGBTQIA plus cultural activity, that in this first year – at the very least, we try and be quite open and inclusive in the way that we're doing things. Yeah, absolutely.
0: What would be wonderful is to hear about some of, some of the events that you are programming for, for, for Pride.
2: Um, well, I suppose the first thing I'd want to say is that there's been an amazing response. So lots of people are taking on board to programme their own events as part of Pride, um, which is exactly what you want to have happen. So, for example, the Forum Cinema are organising a one-day film festival. And whilst that's a, a really important part of Pride, what I haven't done is... I've obviously been to them and said, would you consider doing this? But I haven't got involved in which films, what time, how they would put them on. They're the experts at doing that. So they've put together a a lovely festival, which um, it's got a family film in the morning, a Disney film in the morning, uh, which is Strange World, which was the first Disney film to have a kind of queer character in it at all. Um, and then there's uh, a series of shorts by northern filmmakers. So in the afternoon, there are shorts, late afternoon, sort of tea time. And then in the evening, God's Own Country, which is obviously very rural in its setting, two gay men that fall in love in North Yorkshire. Um so that's an example of somebody kind of taking the, getting the bit between the teeth, running ahead and creating something really fantastic that wouldn't otherwise be happening if we hadn't said, "Oh, let's have a pride festival." Um, and then things that I've been more involved in, I try to think how I could do things that were quite diverse. So I wanted to think about form in terms of having stuff that's to do with heritage, having stuff to do with contemporary theatre, thinking about what what already is quite popular in Hexham. Um, so what what goes well and how might we be able to draw in an audience to come and see, either come and see something that is unfamiliar to them. So they might be a straight audience member, but they're kind of interested in, for example, folk music. So they would be interested to come along to see some queer folk musicians. On the other side of that, people who are interested in coming to an LGBTQIA event, we know that there's going to be lots of folk on offer after hex and prides finished so if they get into folk music as a result of it we can still satisfy their need because queen's hall programs so much folk so all the way through we were trying i was trying to make this balance between building on what's already gone before drawing in a new audience satisfying an existing audience with giving them something fresh and new um, and so some of the things that we've done, so we've invited Queer Folk, which is um, it's a very new uh, young promoter uh, called Holly Clark, who was part of the folk degree at, at, um, at the Sage and Gateshead. And what they've done is they have invited Jesse Howard, Anna Hughes and Sam Baxter, um, who are all local Northumberland uh, performers, to come and perform on the 7th of June. So they're going to do queer folk on the 7th of June um, the day before we've got Matt Miller, who's been to, who's a non-binary performer um, and Matt, uh, they are going to, they, they're going to do a new show called fixing, which is all about how they've had to negotiate their relationship as they've um, begun to present with a different gender to that, which they were assigned at birth. Um and what does that mean and how fluid their gender is so matt sometimes would say that he presents as a boy and then he would use he pronouns sometimes matt would say that they present as a girl and then they would use she pronouns and other times they use they pronouns so they're very fluid in the way that they present their gender and they're doing this show fixing which is looking at how do they how have they negotiated that within their family um I think it'll be a really interesting show. Matt has performed at the Queen's Hall before and got good audiences, so we're hoping that will happen again. And then people like the Archive Service, they have there's somebody in the Archive Service who's been re- doing research around Ethel Williams, who was the first woman doctor in the northeast. Um, and Ethel was in a relationship with a woman called Frances Hardcastle, and they described each other as being the, the other's long-time companion and of course this is back in the sort of late 1910 1920 they actually retired in the 1920s but they were companions for a very long time before that and they re- uh, retired to Stocksfield. They built a house in the 1920s and they retired to Stocksfield in 1924. And there's an awful lot of um, knowledge about Ethel Williams because she first started the first medical practice for women. She started the women's hospital in Newcastle. She was the first woman to drive a car in the north of England. Um, she was a very prominent suffragist. But there's virtually no conversation and record about the fact that she was very out as a lesbian. And she, although she didn't call herself that because the language was more complex back then in terms of how she represented herself but her and Francis had no problem about presenting themselves as lifetime companions and building a home together so you know if they lived now they would call themselves they would have called themselves probably a lesbian couple or a queer couple but they certainly weren't hiding in any way but what's happened is that 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 part of ethel's history and francis's history francis is an interesting character in her own right a mathematician um just disappeared so this is another example of why we have pride events because it gives us an opportunity to sort of give people their rightful place in history as complete people with their full stories their full life stories um so yeah there's and there's i mean there's lots of things happening there's books event we've worked with the Hexham book festival so they're bringing kirsty logan to come and speak at the book festival um obviously the book festival is massive in in the in hexham and the surrounding region so getting susie troop from the book festival to find us an author and program that event it's using the experts to help us build an interesting festival and then we've got stuff for young people where we've asked Curious Arts to come in and they're going to organise a takeover of the Queen's Hall where young people will get an opportunity to do writing workshops and some banner making and other bits and bobs uh, which we haven't quite locked down. We know we're doing it on the 10th of June and we know there'll be writing and we know there'll be banner making. Um, there might also be some stuff to do with character making and maybe kind of face paint face painting type thing but not not your kind of quick draw tiger much more kind of thinking about how do we express ourselves through makeup and and um changing the way we look um and then yeah the things that are going across the town we've got in bloom are leading on uh plant the rainbow so they're going to plant up three of their big planting areas across the town um and they're going to encourage people to plant up their front gardens and their um uh hanging baskets and all that with rainbow planting which sounds a bit complicated but then when you think june there's a lot of bedding plants around so it is quite easy to go to the you know, a good garden centre and buy some budding plants in the rainbow colours. And of course, the fabulous thing is green is in all of them. So get the leaves and then you're you're away. Um, And we've had a really good response from traders as well. So lots of people in the town centre are going to redesign their shop windows using their existing products. So, for example, We know that we've got uh, one of the kitchenware shops and they're thinking about how they can use things like kitchen items that are in rainbow colours to create the rainbow in their window. Um, And Oxfam are going to be doing something with their display. So, yeah, there's about 40 traders already that have said they're going to try and redesign their shop windows using their existing products into a rainbow design. So lots happening
0: I just think this sounds so exciting, and I think the thing the thing I find I found the most brilliant about what you've just said is this is like proper partnership working, isn't it? You've got so many individuals and organisations who are who are involved in this. It's not just a small group of people making this happen. It's a full community um, enterprise. What well, it sounds like that from what
2: you've said. It is. And I really wanted that to happen because one of the things that we'll do as part of this year's festival is organise a steering group to try and take things forward for next year. And hopefully all the people that have been involved this year will want to join in with that steering group. And obviously, we're hoping it will be led by LGBTQIA plus people, but they will be supported by the allies that are from all of these organisations. Um, obviously, some of them are going to be LGBTQIA plus themselves. So um, they may well be able to wear two hats kind of representing traders and representing the community. Um and the good thing is that there are already people who have committed to having an activity through the year. So for example, the library are going to launch a book club during pride, but they're going to keep that book group going after pride's finished. And there'll be monthly meetings and people taking forward that book group. Um, so we're hoping that'll get good turnout. That's on um, when he's that on, he says third of June, Saturday, third of June that launches. And then Queen's Hall are going to do at least one queer kind of programmed event every month and they're going to promote it as being part of their pride offering through the year so what we're hoping is that people will kind of informally start to come together that they'll know that there's this particular event on every month and it'll be badged in the in the Queen's Hall program, and that will mean that they can know that they can come along to that event and that there'll be other LGBTQIA people there. So it becomes a bit of a social activity in itself to go to the Queen's Hall, maybe have a drink beforehand, go and see the show, or dance, or music, or whatever it is, maybe have a chat afterwards. But it's creating a, a space at least once a month where adults can socialise in a nice safe supported environment with a lovely show of some description in the heart of it Um, and it creates this kind of ongoing nice offer for people so it's not an official arts club but it's trying to sort of have that feel of being a bit of a specialist arts club and because there are no designated LGBTQIA spaces in Hexham. hopefully at least once a month the queen's hall will feel like it's become a designated space for for that evening um so there are things like that happening and, and you know hopefully other things will go well the forum has already got a good record of showing lgbtqia plus focus films obviously they had blue jean recently and it may be that if this is really popular they would also start to think about, oh, maybe we could badge something up once a month and and have something that happens all through the year. So yeah, it really is about trying to bring a lot of people together um, to do things that are not too far outside what they would normally be doing anyway, so that once Pride's happened, other things can carry on through the year that are in a similar vein because an audience has been built for it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's that point about thinking about the legacy right at the top of a project, isn't it? And also thinking how, I think the the importance of of moving towards understanding that, that pride isn't just a thing that happens once a year. It's actually something that should be in people's minds always.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that there is there is an LGBTQIA plus culture rather than it just being a kind of commercial celebration of sexuality. Um, And that that culture is increasingly diverse and that actually arts is a very good place to begin to experiment and find out about different ways of thinking about the world. You know, we know that across the board when we make art, we do it because we want to play with ideas and try and get people to think about something in a different way, see something differently, hear something differently. And so creating a kind of arts festival is about encouraging people, um, both within and without our community, to to have a more diverse view of what it's all about, really.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited for this, that this is happening So in June. It's amazing. Um and I guess I'm interested to know what you what you hope audiences take away from this kind of what 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 do you want the conversation that what do you want kind of their conversations to be like after they've been to an event
2: um what well, it would be it would be great if people who came along felt like they wanted to present something next year or they wanted to present something during the year um so that they feel that they're their idea might be put in front of an audience. That's always what I hope is that people kind of either want to support that artist to make more work or they want to engage with, if they are makers themselves, that they want to do something as a result of coming to the show, whether they're, whether they're doing that, you know, as paid artists or whether they're doing that in their own voluntary time. So, yeah, I always want them to come away with a sense of, oh, I'd like to do more of that or do that again. I guess with this, there are there are some things that I think are particularly interesting. Um, so... For example, in particular, there's an opportunity for people to bring objects that represent LGBTQIA people from the past. So the museum service are doing an event on the 9th of June um, where they're asking people to bring objects or letters or things from their families that um, represent LGBTQIA people from the past to the old jail. Um, I think it would be great if people began to Think about how are the LGBTQIA people of the past represented in the culture of the present? Um, because we we do have a bit of a sense that it was all invented in 1972, and of course, you know. LGBTQIO people, even if they haven't called themselves that, have existed forever. But we're lost. We're lost in the past. So I'm particularly interested in how that might happen. Those kind of partnerships between the public and institutions like our museums and archives. And then I guess on the contemporary side, it's it's showing it's people being excited about having. LGBTQIA plus artists presented in our mainstream venues. So um, obviously the Queen's Hall have been really supportive, but it's also about showing other venues and other um, organisers that there's an audience for this kind of work and that that audience is hungry. So I want people to come out with a sense of wanting more um, and being confident to go out and do it and see it. And be part of it.
0: Well, I thought that was an absolutely brilliant answer to that question. Thank you so much, Richard. Um, <laughs> it's been such a pleasure for for me to just to get to listen to you talk. Thank you so much. It's um, it's just been wonderful. So, um, and good luck with it all.
2: Thank you very much. I'm hoping it goes very well.
0: The amazing Richard Bliss, organizer of the very first Hexham Pride. What did you think of that of that conversation, Kelly? I just think Richard
1: is amazing. Um, I think it was great to hear on the kind of equality politics, I think he called it, yeah. um, that have brought us to the current day um, and Pride events that run locally and the learning from those, as well as his programming experience and I guess how all of that has brought us to the very first Hexham Pride. Um, Yeah, it was also great to hear about the local organizations and people that are really getting on board with the kind of first ever program.
0: Yeah, just sort of picking up on that. I I agree. I think the thing I I just loved about it was that it's so much a partnership community thing in that, you know, Richard is working really hard for lots of people to take ownership of this thing uh, with a real focus on it being this isn't just a one-off event that happens once a year. It's the idea that it actually is ongoing. It's all year round. It's changing people's perceptions. Um, and it's just, I think, giving people ownership over what happens at it is is the is absolutely key to that, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think he's been really clever. He's kind of stitched into the programme legacy. And you can kind of imagine once this month-long programme's disappeared, these things will still continue to happen. And I think that's really important. Um to have that kind of pride continuous consideration throughout the program um yeah just really excited for june to to arrive
0: yeah me too i'm i'm very much hoping that i'll be Um, up and up and around for a lot of it and hopefully even get the opportunity to chat to some of the artists and maybe interview them about their involvement because there's so much going on um so kelly if people want to get involved if they want to buy tickets for pride or get involved in some of the wonderful free stuff that's going on as part of it what what do they need to do
1: yeah, well, a time of recording, we haven't actually announced the programme yet, but when you guys are listening to it, we'll yes. be on our website. So as always, you can visit our website at queenshall.co.uk and you can follow us on social for more information.
0: Yes, fantastic. So, um, lovely chatting to you as always, Kelly. You too, And we will be back next month with another jam-packed episode of Brilliant Stuff that you need to come and get involved in at Queen's Hall. See you soon. Bye. Bye.